Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Why don't we just start right out by going straight to Scripture. Let's turn to Psalm 119. We'll start right out out of the gate here by going to Scripture. Psalm 119. That's that really long one in there, and we're going to go to verse... 129, Psalm 119, verse 129, praise the living God, hallelujah. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore does my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words gives light, underline the word light, the entrance of thy words gives light, it gives understanding unto the simple. Underline also, please, it gives understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou used to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Underline verse 133 also, please. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Really, the verse to focus on there is verse number 130. The entrance of thy words gives light, gives understanding unto the simple. The entrance of God, God's word, word brings light to us, which is something that we all need. We do not always know or see what we need to do. We don't always know or see what we need to do. And many times we do not recognize our own problems. All right? We have many problems in our lives sometimes, but we don't even recognize what they are. We need God's light. We need, God, we need God's light to understand ourselves and to see how we need to change and how we can cooperate with God to make things better. Reading God's word is like looking in a mirror. Reading God's word is like looking into a mirror. It enables us to see what needs to be cleaned up in our lives. It enables us to see what needs to be cleaned up in our lives. If you're a guy, for instance, and you're looking into a mirror, you might be checking to see if you need a shave. If you have stubble on your face, you may be checking to see that if you need a shave. If you're a lady, you might be checking into the mirror to see if your makeup is on correctly. In either case, you want to make sure that you are presentable before you go out to meet the world that's around you. So we do that by looking in the mirror. We do that by looking in the mirror. So again, God's word is like a mirror that lets us see what needs to be done to make our lives presentable to God. It all depends on your thinking, however. It all depends on your thinking and what you believe and what you are thinking. All right, I say again, it all depends on your thinking and what you believe and how you're thinking. If you believe, for instance, that you are a descendant of an organism that climbed out of some primordial ooze, as they say, or if you think that your great, 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 great grandmother, you know, was an ape, all right, and then you are probably one who has many, many fears in life. If you believe that all you are is some descendants from some ancient thing that took place in some uh, after the Big Bang and that your, your, your ancestors are apes, then you're probably a person that grows, goes through life with many, many fears and many concerns because you don't know how to deal with them. If you believe any of what I just mentioned, then you probably believe in evolution. Therefore, there is no loving God in your life. If you believe that, you believe in evolution, which means that there's no loving God in your life. 
It means that you may probably believe in in our, uh, reincarnation, which means that some past life that you were you were a donkey or, 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 or an ant or some other ridiculous thing, which also cuts out the possibility that there's any loving God that is there to guide you. There's no meaning for your life. There's no sense of victory over circumstances. And in many, many cases, if you believe that, there is no hope. You cannot go through this life simply thinking that your background, your ancestry, the reason for who you are was simply um, decided by some fluke. A big bang took place, which set up, put in, in motion a whole set of other events and that you came from some animal later on. There's no there's no room for God in your life. All of this depends on your thinking. We need to remind ourselves of what God tells us through his word, because this can govern our thinking. We need to constantly remind ourselves of what God tells us in his word, because this can govern your thinking. When times of stress and whatnot come into your life and there's issues of life going on around you, things to do with your, with, with your well-being, be it your job, be it your family, be it finances or whatever it is, that depends on your thinking to determine whether or not you'll make it through and be able to survive that particular challenge or circumstance. It's important to learn how to manage your thought processes and how to think. Your success in life as a Christian can depend on what you believe and how you think, okay? What you believe and how you think. Just because things might be around you operating one way, the word of God can shed light onto your situation. Again, it's like looking into a mirror. You look into that mirror and you, um, you take an account of what your face looks like, so to speak, and you realize I may need makeup, I may need eyeshadow, I've got hair stubble showing on my face, I need to shave my mustache or trim my beard. So it gives you a reminder, God's word sheds light on what your particular situation is that's going on right now in your life. So it depends on your thinking. Do you attract, do you adopt the thinking that are, uh, I'm just defeated? Do you adopt the fact that, oh, well, I'm just, you know, there's no way I'm going to make this through. There's no God to help me through this situation. So I just might as well just give up and get a long face and just drag through the course of the day. Instead of saying, I am a child of God and God loves me. Therefore, I will come through this situation. Amen. Praise God. Our thinking can also be impacted by one of the one by one of our very powerful senses. Your sight, your sight. God, uh, uh, our thinking can also be impacted by one of our very powerful senses, and that is your sight. Our sight, or how we see things, can also determine our victories in life. How you view your life, how you view what's going on in your life, can determine the outcome of your life. It can determine how your day is going to be, if it, depending on how you view, how you're looking at things. Our sight, or how we see things, can also determine whatever victories might be there. Our sight can govern our perception of how we view God's promises. The word says we are to walk by faith, not by sight. You've heard that before. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. So regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless of what somebody at work may have said, regardless of what a relative may have said, regardless of anything that may be going on in front of you for you to visually see, And for what you visually hear, you've got to remember that I walk by faith, not by sight. I've got to remember that regardless of what the circumstances dictate, God said, God said, God said, God said that I can be victorious over the situation. God said that I can be an overcomer. God said that I will be an overcomer as long as I reflect on him and respect what his word says and believe what his word says. So remember that our very powerful sense of sight that is connecting with the world around us can govern 
how we think. So therefore, we don't go following what we see. I don't care what your boss may tell you. I don't care what the newspaper may tell you. I don't care what you hear on the news on TV. God's word is true. God's word is more powerful than anything that you can hear coming from another man. So we walk by faith and not by sight. So it depends on how you wind up thinking. Our lives can be governed by our inward perception of ourselves. So your thinking can depend on your sight. Let's go to Numbers 13, the book of Numbers. Here's an example of how, this is an example of how we see here people walking, uh, walking by sight instead of trusting on God. Numbers chapter 13, starting with verse number 1. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. And verse number one starts with, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of your fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, this is what God is saying to Moses. Send men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. So God is saying here, send men to search the land that I give to the children of Israel. This is God speaking of an action that he's going to do. And then the following verses said, uh, verse number three, And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, I'm not going to read all the names, but starting with verse four says, And these are the names of Reuben, etc., etc., etc. And then we jump down here to verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way, this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak or a few or many. So here he's telling them to go and assess the problem. Many times when we have something laying before us and you may feel in your heart or God may put in your in your spirit there, I want you to go and evaluate the situation. I want you to go and think about and see what is before you. I want you to go and weigh the, and weigh the possibilities of how this new thing that I'm going to give you or this new place I'm going to put you in, how this place may be. God says, I'm going to send you there. But God already said, I'm going to give this I'm going to give this situation to you. I'm going to give this position to you. I'm going to give this house to you. Whatever this thing is that you're hoping for, God is saying, I'm I'm going to give this to you. But he's saying, in the meantime, I want you to go and check it out. Okay? I want you to go and check it out. It goes on to say in verse 19. And and, um, uh, to see if they are weak or strong, few or many, in 19. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Underline, please. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now, now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes, okay? And if you just pause for a minute and go back to verse number two. What did God say in verse number two? Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Okay? God made up his mind. He said, this is the land that I'm going to give them. In the meantime, I want you to go check it out. Verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men come to, come to Hamath. 
And they ascended by the south and came into Hebron, where Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came into the brook of Eshol and cut down from thence a branch of one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought up the pomegranates and, and of the figs. Now, these must have been some healthy grapes and whatnot. If they had to put them on a stick and carry them between two people, they must have been, you know, pretty good-sized fruit. Verse 24. The place was called the Brook of Eshol because the cluster of grapes which the children cut down from thence. And they returned from searching on the land after 40 days. Please underline after 40 days. So here they were searching this land out for 40 days. God says to you, that I'm going to give you a solution to this problem. God says to you that I'm going to put you into a place where you're going to be a lot better off than where you are. God says to you that, yes, you've been praying for this particular situation to be taken care of. I'm going to take care of it. Now, in the meantime, I want you to take it. I want you to check it out. Now, you may spend some time checking things out, you know, and this is why we don't rush to judgment. When God is saying that he's doing something for us, that we just don't go rushing into it headlong. Okay, we we, we actually may take some time and think it through and pray it through to see where God is taking us. Okay, however, God says that I'm going to get you out of that situation. God says to you, I have a better place where you're going to be. Okay, but I want you to check something out. I want you to check something out. So you go on and you pray about it and you don't go rushing into something. You just kind of take your time and let God and follow the leading of God. So but but these guys here took them for 40 days and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron. Verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, gave them evidence. Twenty seven. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. Underline uh, or highlight all of verse 27. Okay. They told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and surely it's a good thing. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. However, verse 28, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Okay, to put a bracket around verse 28. So in other words, then, so they went and they said, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a good looking place. It's got this plentiful, flowing with milk and honey. However, though, there's some people that's already there, and I don't know, I mean, like, you know, gee whiz, they're pretty powerful people already dwelling there. God says to you, I'm going to send you into a place. I'm going to get you into a situation that's going to be much better than where you are. I'm going to eliminate that problem. And you start thinking it through, and you start dwelling dwelling on it, and start going for it, and you say, yeah, it seems to be nice, but... Yeah, I think I could do with this, but, yeah, I think this would be an answer to my problem, but the people that are there, or the situation that is there, or the location that is there, or whatever it might be, you know, they're pretty formidable. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty powerful. Or the situation is something that is really beyond what I could possibly do. I don't have the education to do this. I don't have the, 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 the experience to do this. And you start coming up with all of these things that seem to be bigger, bigger than you. Depends on your thinking. What did God tell them back in verse number two? 
to go to the land that I give you. God said to you to go to what I'm going to tell you to do because I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to solve that problem for you. I'm going to get you to where I want you to be. And then you decide to go and God says, yes, but go check it out. And so when you go there and when you see the challenges that might be before you to getting that position or to getting that situation or to solving that problem, you see the challenges that are there. And right away you start saying, well, those problems, those challenges, I don't know. They're pretty big problems. They're pretty powerful. They're pretty powerful. That's what they, that's what they were doing. So then you get down to verse 29. It says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now, don't you think that God knew those people were there? Do you think that God knew that the Amalekites and the Canaanites and so on, Hittites, that they were there? Don't you think that God knows about the particular challenges that might be there before you, before he told you, I'm going to solve your problem? If God tells you he's going to solve your problem, he's going to eliminate whatever the issue is. He's going to get you to where he wants you to be. If God tells you he's going to do that, don't you think he knows what those challenges are? Don't you think he realizes the opposition, the, the, the potential opposition that might be there that would may give you some challenge? Okay, you think God knows that? God knows those Hittites and those, Hittites and those Jebusites and so forth are there. Then uh, in verse number 30, it says, And Caleb, Caleb stilled the people. Before Moses. In other words, Caleb said, whoa, wait a minute now. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Highlight number 30, verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So can you picture that now in your mind's eye, if you were watching this in a movie? You know, you got these people that went to, to view the land. They come back and they're complaining. Oh, the, you know, this giant, the people are too tough and yada, yada, yada. And they're moaning. And, and Caleb stands up and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, hold the 40. Just, just, just wait a minute. Let's go right now. Let's go right now. Let's stop messing around here. Let's go. Let's go up there and take it. Take that land and possess it. Because God said that we're going to have it, first of all. And he said there that we are well able to overcome it. You see, so it all depends on your thinking. God says that I'm going to solve your problem. I'm going to get you to where I want you to be. I'm going to remove any obstacles because I'm giving this to you. And just because in your thinking, you start thinking, well, gee, this situation is too formidable for me. It's too tough. The people that are there, the situation, the, du- the duties or whatever I have to do is it, it, too tough for me. It's too tough. You know, you know, depends on your thinking where you got to get like Caleb and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I am able to do that. I am able to overcome, I overcome all of those obstacles that I think are there. God said he was going to give this to me, so wait a minute. I'm going to go up and possess. It depends on your thinking. For you don't walk by, 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 by uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Regardless of what you saw, regardless of the, 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 the giants in the land or the situation that you saw before you, we don't walk by what we see in life. We walk by faith in God. We walk by faith. So it depends on your thinking. Depends on your thinking. And Caleb said unto the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Um, but the men that went up with him and uh, said, we will, uh, we will not be able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now, there's the negative confession. 
See, and we all live around people, you know, people in our lives that are always negative Nancy's and so on. That when you start saying this stuff, I can go, I'm going to go for that situation. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. That some of those say to you, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. You can't do that. You can't overcome that. You won't be able to succeed at that. And they'll bring neg- negative confessions to you. So what do you do? Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children uh, unto, of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, uh, which came, which came uh, of the giants, and we were all in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. And, and so we were in their sight. So in verse 33, highlight all of that. Okay, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. You see? So he said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. That's how they viewed themselves. That's how they viewed themselves. And right away, because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, they start assuming that everyone else was seeing them as grasshoppers also. You see? So again, it depends on your thinking and how it impacts your sight and your actions. Because you may think, if you start thinking that people are viewing me as less able to do something, that I'm less capable, that this is how people are going to start viewing you. You see, if you don't have some some good self-esteem, some good feelings about yourself, then others, it's amazing how quickly that can spread to other people. If they see your love of your lack of self-confidence, if they see that you are unsure, if they see that you are weak in the decision-making process, other people will spot that in you. It's uncanny. It's weird. It's almost like a dog sensing, sensing red meat or something, that they sense that they can just pounce on you and overcome you, you see? So in their eyesight, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and they thought that the other people did. So it all depends on your thinking and all depends on your sight. If God is telling you that he's going to bless you with something, with a situation, whatever it might be, you cannot view yourself as being inferior. You cannot view yourself as not being able to do what God is calling you to do. As I said before, God knew there were Hittites and Canaanites and Jebusites in that land, but he told them that I'm going. To, this is the land that I'm going to give you. God knows that there's challenges in that situation or whatever it is that you're praying for that God is saying he's going to give to you. God knows those things are there, but if you all of a sudden start thinking of yourself that, that I am just a product of evolution, I'm, I'm, I'm descended from a monkey, and, 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 and in the past life I was, I was a roach or something like that, then that means that you have no sense of a loving God that is very, very real, that is going to be with you, and has already said to you, he's going to bless you, you see? So you can't start thinking of yourself as a grasshopper or allowing those negative confessions from others to come in to stop you from being able to get what God is, is wanting you to have. Amen? 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 So they said they broke the report um, through which they're given. The land was eaten up and blah, blah, blah. Verse 33, uh, there he saw the giants, the sons of our neck, which came of the giants. We were grasshoppers in our own sight. Then in chapter 14, verse number 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. So, boom, what do they start doing now? This negative report uh, came back, and it now it's impacting everyone that's there. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, 
Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God that we had died in, uh, in this wilderness. And what, wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Um, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? So here they go now. Right away now they start having a pity party. They say, oh golly day, why did God bring us here? Why don't I just go back? It would have been better off that, that I, we had been back in Egypt. So that means when you start getting to that point, you start saying, gee whiz, why did I even think that God would bring me into something good? Why did I even dare to think that God was going to be able to bring me into this new position, into this new situation? Why did I dare to think that God can solve my problem? Oh, man, it's just better off that I had to stay where I am or I wish I had stayed where I was, blah, 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 blah. And you start having a pity party for yourself and you start losing, to have, you stop, start losing faith in God. Depends on your thinking. It depends on your sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We block out all of that nonsense that will come from people who really don't care about you in the first place that try to bring all these negative confessions to you to make you think that you're going to fail, that you're not going to be a success. All right. So right away, they start crying about going back to Egypt. Then in verse number three, wherefore has the Lord brought us into the land to fall by the sword where our wives and our children should be prey, uh, where it is not better for us to return to Egypt. Verse four. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were uh, of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. Underline, please. It is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us. Now listen to this in verse 8. If the Lord delight in us. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. So here you see what he reminded them of. I said, this is a good place. The Lord delights in us, then he will, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. If God is pointing you into this new situation, that means that God is pleased with you and he's wanting to move you there. If God has made that promise to you, then you do not fear what is in the so-called land. You do not fear what the challenges may be, what the, what the, the, uh, the uh, 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 consequences might be of you deciding to go out and, and do what God is telling you to do. You don't go looking back and thinking that God is not going to take you there. He says that if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land. If God delights in you, that means that he's going to bring you into where it is that you need to be. He's going to bring you into a position or to a situation that's going to really, really make you shine, to make it be well beyond your wildest dreams. And then he's saying, don't worry about those challenges. The defense is, their defense is departed from them. People that come against you, issues that come against you, it will be, quote, unquote, bread for you, so to speak. In other words, you'll chew them, chew them up and spit it out. All right. Those things that come before you are nothing for you to be concerned about. You will be able to overcome those situations. You will be able to overcome that would try, that would try to come against you. Verse uh, 10. But all, all the congregation bade stone at them, bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation for all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be, be, uh, be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have shown among them? 
I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a great nation uh, and mightier than they. You see, you know, you know this is what we do. We, we run the risk here when we start disbelieving with God that God can do for us what he says he's going to do. God is saying, how long am I going to have patience with them? How long am I going to put up with them um, not believing that, uh, not believing my word, not believing what, what I said I'm going to do? God can get to that point with us. If we just constantly are at the, at the issue where we don't believe God, we don't trust God, sometimes God will give us first-hand evidence, first-hand, first-hand proof that this is what I'm going to do for you. This is where I'm going to take you. But yet still, because of our own fears or our own insecurities, our lack of self-worth, our, our lack of, of, of faith in God, that we all of a sudden get weak in, weak in the knees and we don't do what God is telling us to do. You ever stop and think that maybe God might get tired of that? That God might be saying, gee whiz, you know, how long am I going to have to show Joey? How long am I going to have to show Susie? I've done this in their lives before. I did this in his life before. He, they saw me at work. This is God saying this to himself. I mean, they saw me at work. How many times did I bless them with so many things that their, their eyes, their mouths dropped open? How many times will they, will they not trust me? How many times do I have to keep proving myself? They saw my miracles. They saw what I could do. Okay? Lord said to Moses, how long will these people provoke me? How how long will it be uh, that they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among the people? Then he says, I will smite them with a pestilence and disherit them. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou, um, for thou thoughtest up this people, brought us up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou art among the people, that thou are, that thou Lord, that thou Lord, Art seen face to face, and they and the cloud that standeth over them, and thy goest before them. The time of the pillar, the daytime, the pillar of the cloud, the pillar of fire by night, and so on. And then he goes on to speak down in verse 18. The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressors, and so on. And then he goes on to say in verse number 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as they truly live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men which I have seen, which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times that have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them uh, uh, provoke, that provoked me see it again. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me uh, fully, him with him will I uh, bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Amen. And so he then goes on to say that uh, because of his faithfulness that he wound up blessing them. All right. And then it says in verse 34, after the number of days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. Okay. And this is the reason why they wound up traveling through the desert for 40 years, because of the 40 days that they took. And then finally, here in closing this out, where it says, uh, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went and searched the land, lived still. And they went on and possessed the land. But then in 45, it says, then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discounted and discomforted them even unto Hormah. OK, so the risk that we run here always is not trusting in God. The risk in, 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 uh, that we always run is not in trusting God, but we really must believe him and what he says that he will do for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.